show series with the gorgeous Karen Gomba and it's called The Snipers We Didn't See. We've been talking about lots of things including Karen's book but today the focus is on mental health advocacy and support for children. But before we get on to the show just a reminder if you're listening to this on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitch, Twitter or the Everyday Women's Network, please know that in the show notes, you will find ways in which to connect with us or more particularly our amazing guest, Karen. Now, each and every week, we do a welcome to country and it goes like this. I want to respectfully acknowledge the people of the Yugamba language region on the Gold Coast, Queensland, Australia. And I want to, the traditional owners of the land on which we speak and broadcast. I want to pay my respects to the elders, past, present, and emerging, and all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders here listening or watching today. Here's what you need to know about Karen. The Snipers We Couldn't See is Karen Kumba's memoir of rare power, a harrowing and intimate portrait of severe mental health illness from her mother, its far-reaching and generational impacts and effects. Told with determination and searing honesty, the book recounts the shattering details of growing up as a prime target for her schizophrenic mother's mental and physical abuse. Karen has now dedicated her life to mental health advocacy. She's managed nursing homes, medical centres, and has worked directly with those affected by mental illness for many years. She was born in rural Nebraska and now lives in Castle Rock, Colorado, with her husband, Kurt. She believes in staying in your happy pond and shows up every day doing just that. Welcome back to the show, Karen. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Tony. And it's so wonderful to be on Everyday Women's Network. Tony's TV, I just love it. It's an honor to be with you. And thank you for the incredible opportunity for, for me to share my passion with everyone out there. Karen, you've got such a wealth of lived and life experience. And today we really want to get into advocating for mental health support for children and adults, those that are dealing with a mental health illness themselves or are looking after or supporting a significant a parent or a significant other person in their life. This is a very personal crusade for you, Karen. Can you tell the audience why? 
it's it's such a crusade because after I lived through what I've lived through with my mother, I thought I couldn't be the only child out there. And I was, I felt so alone growing up with everything happening around me that I was the only one and, and, and there was just nothing happening to help me. And I thought this has to stop. It's the child has to have a voice, which that's what I do. I give the child a voice and let them know they're not alone and they can start speaking up and they can start learning. And I talk to everybody on how to start helping the children learn about mental health, mental illness, and so they can start thriving. I just really took it deep into my heart, thinking of the millions before me that never thrived. Mm. And including myself, I feel like I was lucky that I made it this far. I feel I was chosen, but I didn't thrive as far as I think I could have went in my life because I really didn't know who I even was with my self-worth being so damaged. And then I think of the millions that are going to come after me if I don't start talking and saying it out loud. So I am on a mission to bring change and solutions, solutions, not just talking about it, if you will, yeah. Tony. I just yeah. want to bring solutions. Karen, can you talk about some of the um, things that are available to support children um, and, and what's missing from that space in your perspective? The, the first thing is they are coming out with things to help with children, but they're just not addressing them in the schools. And the reason I'm so advocate about, or just so serious about getting in the schools is because I know that them kids are not going anywhere else. They're not going to functions and, and, you know, like they say they have this program and that program and it's downtown or if it's a different place and it's after school or it's here and there. Well, the way that family is struggling and everything that's going on with it, I guarantee you that 90% of them are not getting to those programs. So they're not getting reached. And I don't think that they are getting reached in the schools. Everybody has a job right now. There's not a person dedicated to start dealing with these children. And you can't put it all on a guidance counselor because that's not what their job is. Their job is to sit there and help kids. Okay, what college do you want to go to? Where, where are you going now that you're thriving? They're not capable of dealing with the child or even know that there's a child there that's not thriving. So I don't think, I do believe that there is, like in the United States, there's what they call NAMI and N-A-M-I, and it's a National Alliance for Mental um, Institute for Wellness, you know, Health. Yes. But you can always go to NAMI and they have you know, phone numbers and everything. I would, I would tell everyone to go that direction if they're in the States. I'm not sure about Australia and places, but I'm sure they have places like that. Google. We do. Medical. We have, yes. yeah, there's, there's yes. places like Beyond Blue, et cetera, which yes. offer health to both adults yes. and to children. And in Australia, we have the Kids Helpline, which is oh, our good. principal phone line for kids that need support oh that's so that's so beautiful what i think what's happening trying to answer your question i i don't believe they're getting help and they're not finding these numbers and they're scared to yeah. death what's happening at home they're scared of their parent or their guardian that is mentally ill they're not they're not even functioning in schools and they would not ever until they, we, we bring the solutions to the children. They have no idea that that's out there. So I really do believe we're still failing our children immensely. And it's oftentimes that the support they need is quite 
practical, isn't it? Like making sure that they have transport to an after-school program, making sure they have access to a phone to make a call. So sometimes it's actually the little things as well as the big things like the programs that we need. Yes, and I do believe one simple thing we could start at schools is when the school begins, I think when they need to have, you know, when they have the parent meetings at the beginning, they need to address that if you have any mental health issues going on in your home, you have a private place where you can share that with us. And please let us know which child is suffering, you know, having that issues at home so that we know to keep our eye with that child Mm -hmm. and we can start kind of being there for them and maybe give them some extra bonuses, even with these programs that I'm trying to get through. But until I can get there, mm-hmm. we, we can't wait just for me and everything that's we're trying to get to, you know, for yeah. solutions. But if they would do that beginning and just open the door and say, you can say it out loud. It's okay. If you have that going on at home, just like when the parents come in and say, well, you know, their mother's home with cancer or their father's struggling with, um, a broken leg or a bad accident. Well, they should be able to say, you know what, at our house, we have a mental illness going on right now. Can, mm-hmm. so can you watch out for little Johnny yes. and keep your eye on them because they're not going to see it out loud. They're scared to death. And this, you know, so I think even starting there is a start yeah. to find a child because you can't find that child. They're not going to raise their hand and they're, and they're quiet. Karen, before we go on and talk about childhood trauma, um, in talking about the education system, there really is an impetus on teachers to be aware and proactive versus reactive. Yes. Yes. And I think that we need to take a little pressure off them because some of the teachers, I've talked to a lot of them, you know, they're there to teach English or they're there to teach math. Yeah. And they go, if, if you would get these programs in and have someone dedicated that person and that class is mandatory, they have to take that class mm-hmm. so that the child will either learn about mental health or mental illness. Yes. They can relate if they have it. They'll be able to relate if their friend has it. They'll be able to relate if they'll go, oh, now that I understand what's going on in my home, I don't have to feel so bad about myself. And so, but we have to start getting people dedicated because like the children, the teachers are overworked to death. They're, they're, they really, I respect teachers so highly in my life. My mother was, my mother was a teacher and I just put them on the highest platform because they're taking care of our children, but they do need help. They need someone that uh, is, they need that class, mental. You know, we have to name it something else. Somebody yeah, says kind of cool to me the other day. They go, if you say anything, if if you get this program going through that you're working so hard on, don't name it mental health or anything. The kids won't like that. They won't take care attend. of your mind. Yeah. Yes. We got to come up with something fun, interesting, pulling them in without making them sound like, oh my, we're just going to sit on a chair and listen to this. Yeah. So um, I think that it what, is about caring for those Yes. wonderful little minds that are so precious in, in yes. their childhood and yes. it's making sure that they understand that there is a safe space for them to talk about this stuff that they're not alone that they're valued and kind of build their self-esteem 
Karen, I want to sort of segue into childhood trauma, and you and I have had this um, conversation personally before about the impact of childhood trauma, whatever that looks like. And in this case, we're talking about the trauma of um, children either living with a mental illness or struggling with a um, parent or significant person in their life that has that. Um, One of the things that we wanted to talk about today is the long-term impacts if we don't do this work, Karen. Yes. So you have personal experience with lived trauma and your um, childhood experience. And trauma in childhood always leads to something in adulthood. So I'd love to talk about from your experience how that panned out for you. Because the point here is if we could support and help children through that traumatic period, things change in adulthood, yeah? Yeah. Or bad things happen, yeah? Absolutely, absolutely. If I would have had help, what happened because I didn't get help, I turned 18, graduated from high school at 17. I went into the world with no self-esteem, no self love for myself and not and that's dangerous isn't it roller coaster into everything that was hell that's a vulnerability so you may as well have vulnerable stamps on your forehead yes i didn't realize it you would never have realized it's not until we get to our later years that we realize that vulnerability sets people up for all sorts of things doesn't it Oh, it, it it exposes you to the world to be um, abused. You you absolutely just draw it to you, and it's you like, do. It's like people know they can sense that you have no self worth or that you're weak inside, and you've got the pit, and, and you just don't feel that you're worthy of anything. So you, yes, you, you seem to draw people that don't respect you, people that don't want you to thrive. People, everything negative. So I guess if I was to say, if you, if they were to like think a like, beacon on top of your it, head, it, that it is, is. It's like negative, a negative, red negative. light yes. for perpetrators of any yes. description, and they come and they come hard, whether it's job related and not. Yep. Come by. It can come by husbands and wives. Yes. It can come by divorces after divorce. It can come from people picking uh, up on that at work and just really abusing you at work absolutely uh, to the point where it's devastating making you feel horrible about yourself and getting away with it yeah um, but it just doesn't the whole thing from my whole book was that mm-hmm. is I took you all the way to adulthood to show you I'm here now but I've only been here for a few years yeah and I decided to tell everybody about it but it has still Tony if you I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me because I am here and I feel like I'm, I've am i come to the other amazing side. Amazing human being. Well, I'm still feeling, I still go through. It still lasts, it, doesn't it? Even yes, though it you, even though you do there. the healing, whereas if yes. it had been built up in childhood, yes. Yes. you wouldn't have lost it necessarily. And of course, yes. bad things happen to a lot of people, but with childhood trauma, you're setting up a pattern in adulthood that yes statistically there will be either drug abuse alcohol yes. abuse yes. sexual promiscuity bad relationships lack of boundaries no self love 
that's what's hap- that's what happens when we it, don't look after a child yes. who's living in right. or has trauma absolutely and it even affects you as a parent so you become yeah. a parent I actually will tell the world it's it's I, I don't hold anything back I got pregnant only because I wanted to hold something and call and it something my own. to love you yep love the same sign. I did I had to have my own little person so that nobody could take it away from me and I could love it because also what was missing is the touch when you have a parent that is or a guardian they the love and the hugs are not there so yeah. now so I had this yearning and so I got pregnant so I could have my own little person and I could just hug them you know and just keep them and and the problem is though that that newborn baby does not respond to you in the way that you need and so the cycle of of uh distrust in yourself is your self-esteem not only you had bad self-esteem to begin with but now you have mother bad self-esteem and mother guilt and and it's just and you feel like you're not doing the right thing for your child in fact i will be truthful what is so painful in the story i i failed my children desperately i've apologized Mm -hmm. to them yes and they understand but i carry that pain of what that I got so messed up in my head there for a while that I actually, what you were, what you were made to live with is now created in your mind and you mentally struggle as if you Correct. had the disease. Absolutely. And you show signs and I showed some big ones. I had to almost, I ran away for a while just yes. to, I was running from, Pain. I just didn't want anybody to see it. Yeah. And I didn't want him to watch. Because I figured I was going down the road. I was going to go all the way like my mother. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I don't want anyone, my father or my children, to, to have see to me. deal. So I ran away. Yeah, yeah. yeah and let's point out, too, that schizophrenia is not hereditary. It was no. unlikely that you would right. get it passed on from your mother. But right. it is the childhood trauma of living right. with that disease the schizophrenia right. that had this impact on your adult life and nobody's telling you nobody's I, telling no, you that's so the you thing think you're going to catch it you think you're going to be that because no one tells you anything mm-hmm. and they don't even give you places to go you know yeah. or to you know that's what's got to change tony is it's yes we've got to give these children a chance in this lifetime so that they don't so they could thrive and not have, you know, life's enough trouble. You know, you have your roads. Absolutely. You had a normal life and you're trying to make a living and a family and everything without carrying the weight. And I still. It is a weight. It is a weight. And I don't know if you feel it, Tony, but my stomach still, I always talk about in the book that it was like a little electric mixer seemed to be going all the time. That's the one. Yeah. And I still have it. Oh, I'm not no. proud of it. And I just wish it'd go away. Sometimes I meditate a lot, but I can't get that. That's what I want the world to know. It will never go away. If yeah. we don't help these kids, they it does not exactly, go away. Exactly, exactly. And if we could make it better in childhood, it's much easier in yeah. adulthood to get the healing and support yeah. if you've done or are aware of things that you can do yeah. as a as a child or help a child 
things are better. Um, I I have to say, Karen, that those triggers are kind of ever present. You get better at dealing with them, um, but they're always there. So um, as you know, I, I have, have a grandson that's that struggles and um the there just doesn't seem adequate support to help this child no um and it's not for want of trying or for want of um it, it's just not there is it in australia no, it's and, not. I and you're it's telling not, me america's not here not. no it's not here either and the thing that people need to really listen to me when I say it cannot be from in all respect it needs to come from someone that is teaching at a program where the child is learning because then you listen sometimes when the parent or grandparents try to tell them something they just they don't hear you because they think you're supposed to love them and you're trying to you know the the they need to hear it from it's just like a professional you know when you go to school you got your teacher and you oh you learn everything from them they need to have that person that they can um relate to that is not part of that family mm. because they really want to talk about it and they're yeah. and they want to you know it's it's the trust is not at home mm. the trust is broken and when the when you start to get the physical beatings and when that happened to me just that one thing yes a physical beating does right. something in a child's right. brain that right. is irreparable right and so home's not the place though i don't think my father could have sat down and told me anything because he didn't I, know either he didn't either and and then you're at the home where you're getting beat and yelled at so your tr- your your whole confidence everything is not there at, at the home, you know? So I think that, um, yeah, it has to happen. We have to get it yeah. in the schools. We have to get uh, it in the schools. I have to agree, um, Karen, in, in thinking about, about some of this stuff. And um, I actually uh, remember one teacher commenting on the red welts on my leg. Um, and I lied and I said it was something else. Whereas if, she had pushed just a little bit harder she would have come to the truth would right. anything have happened i don't know but I've, yeah, you know, know i've had discussions even with my mother to say you know did you not think of intervening in that yes. moment and yes. she actually said to me yes i should have stood up for you children i should right. have intervened right. um which is wonderful to hear um however it didn't it, it didn't lessen the impact of what happened anyway you know no beatings to a child just they take away a trust in the world they take they embed in your mind that you are bad and not deserving of anything um and those things stick if they're embedded in a child's mind before the time that they're eight they're yes. pretty tricky to get rid of, yeah? It's tricky. And you know that the other thing that I felt when that's happening, all of a sudden, it's like it's like your light went out. Yes. Like you're, And when I tell people this, I said, you know, light on, light off. Yeah. And a child, 
It's almost like you reached in and just shut their switch off. Yeah. And now, they're, now they're just surviving. Yeah. They're not trying to play. I mean, they're not trying to do anything that other little fun little kids are doing because they're just trying to survive and yeah. avoid the next beating. Yeah. Or the next verbal abuse. And if you're, if you have some awareness around these topics, you can see that light dim yes. or go out in a child i believe okay. i and believe I'm it sure too. yeah because... look at pictures now of me and i show that right when i was first born how happy and the smile was you know my 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 lips are clear to my ears i'm little kid you know before i was four when that started to happen you can look you could honestly look at my family pictures yeah. and look at the and the and just see the light out yeah the, the spark is gone yeah. And you can see it and it doesn't start returning until now. Yeah. When people take a picture of me. Absolutely. Light. But Absolutely. It's, it's a sad thing. It's a sad thing because then they just, um, I don't know even how you, you, but you, if you started to tell the child that this, this is going to happen to you at home, but don't let it, maybe we can do some things to yeah. um, prepare you for it. Yeah. Sometimes they, they just need to talk. Just talk about it, just and maybe then bring in the other parent, guardian, say, or an aunt and uncle, and say, yes. "Can we just diffuse it a little bit? We, we're getting quite a bit of pain here. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can just take them for French fries or Coke or something. Just start kind of juggling their life around and talking to them and educating them, so that they don't giving, feel like it's it's almost day. like giving them respite, respite, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Respite yeah. from their life, a break yeah. from their life. You know, for me, um, I would I would go to my nana and granddad's because granddad was the person in my life who gave unlimited hugs, who told me he loved me. Um, I still get such a warm delight in thinking about granddad and those because he's a big man and he used to wrap me up and I'm yeah. quite tiny, but he would wrap me up in his arms and, and, and hug me and, and tell me how wonderful I was. So in him, yeah. luckily, and I'm not sure how much they knew or understood. See, you don't know what they knew or what they understood or what their perspective right. was. You know, but it just there were pe there were people in particular, Granddad and Nana, that I knew was a safe space. Yeah, yeah a safe space. And my unfortunate, um, my father wasn't born till he was till my grandma, his mother was fifty. Yeah, so my they were gone. So I started. I I adored my grandfathers. Yeah, they died. One died when I was five. The next one when I was six. And oh. then my at 15 and my last one at 21. So my my other set of yes. support was, was passing away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Karen, when you think about the utopia of what the world looks like around support for um, mental illness, what does that look like for you? What well, I think it looks fantastic. My my thing is it's starting to shift a little bit. Um, it's going to take a lot of work, but the people that I'm dealing with now that we're creating these, we know that we can do a program that maybe they can, uh, the government can purchase or whatever they can get it into the schools. I'm not sure yes. how 
going to work, but I'll get in front of the people that will make that decision. But if they could start doing that, they will absolutely start making it. It won't take much when they put it in there. It's going to be like, almost like, why haven't we done this 50 years ago? And when they do it, I think it will be almost instant. But if we don't get, I'm working very hard to get to that point this summer. Hopefully we'll have a appointment with Dr. Joe Biden and get this done. And I really do. I'm always a positive person and advocate for these children. And I don't feel like I wrote the book. I don't feel like the people I've met have been an accident. I feel like I'm on this road and I feel like these women and these men that are joining forces with me were supposed to, mm-hmm. and we were supposed to get this done for worldwide, not just the U S yeah, and definitely. Uh, it's global. Mm-hmm. And I really do feel that it's going to happen. I talk to people now. So what I'm doing with my speaking, why we're yes. doing this as I tell them, don't wait for me. I'm coming and everything's coming, but that child needs you today. So that's why I'm still out there send they you know say it out loud they mm-hmm. give a child a voice they're quiet i they they've been asking me the teachers to ask me so mm-hmm. tell me what that kid looks like i yes. said well look look for the dnf student that's number one they're not dnfs that's because they're not getting help at home mm-hmm. something's going on there so they're not studying their 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 mind is somewhere yeah you have figure out where that little mind is yeah because when I had D's and F's it's because every time the clock ticked it was one one more minute closer that I had to go home that's how I was looking at the at the clock in the classroom I couldn't even understand the teacher so I couldn't couldn't hear him so I I just say look for that um, and reach down into that child and say you know and kind of especially so look for DNFs if they're not raising their hands and being part of the environment, you know, how not engaging, not engaging. If they're in sports, look to see if they bring, if there's parenting coming to watch, if no one's there to watch that child, I guarantee you there's something going on at home. My parents mm-hmm. never came to one game. My dad was a workaholic and my mother was naturally sick and yes. um, with her schizophrenia. So she never came to one volleyball game and I played for years. So you watch for that. There are things that people simple things that I try to help people find you yeah. know simple things and like and if you if you create awareness about what you're looking for it will stand out for you yes so so for anyone listening if you are now aware you will look at the children in and around your life with a different lens. It's that lens that the world sees these children through that we need to change. So there's an awareness, number one, and then change the lens that we look at children. So if they're acting up in class, what's that about? What's going on that's causing them to act up? If they're not engaging, why are they not engaging? And right. it's just it's just a conversation, isn't it, Karen? It's just a conversation. And I say this, I said, I know it's such a touchy subject, but all these high school shootings 
Mm-hmm. Are these school shootings have been done by a high, usually a high school child. Yes. 9.9. And when they look at that child, there was mental illness in that home or abuse. Mm-hmm. So if we can get, let's just say this for, I just say it out there for the world to say it out loud. Absolutely. Can if, can you imagine if you were talking to that little child at 12 years old and you were starting to explain things to them? What if they came to you and said, you know, I'm starting to feel kind of funny inside. Yeah. Could you help me? I would just wonder how many school shootings we've stopped and we didn't even know. Correct. I, I I'm absolutely agree with you on this topic, particularly, Karen. And we've talked about it in private before that yes. uh, mass shootings or, or bad things that happen. Uh, where the perpetrator is, um, you know, a child. Yes. There is always trauma in that background. Always. always. Description. Yes. And he, and that child, when they were young. Unloved, unsupported. It had unsupported help. And and you know that it was like you visit with them. You visit with people about that and they'll go, well, they were showing signs for years. You know, he wasn't doing this or she wasn't doing that. I said, you know, you, this is it. This you is had it. the opportunity to intervene then. Yes. And so if you had a program, instead of walking past the child and not doing anything, that child's in a program and has to go to that class. Yeah. And one way or another, they're going to speak it out. Because they do want to talk about, they don't want to feel like that inside. Yeah. I never wanted to feel that icky inside. I hated feeling that. Yeah. I hated feeling like um, I wanted friends so bad and I wanted a, I wondered what their lives were. And I, I was always just looking around going, I don't want to go home. You know, I, I don't want to go home. So I would even make up stories to the bus driver. I mean, they'll carry it so far to, so that they can get to other little kids' home and play. Yeah. There's there's incredible signs. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and if a child discloses to you what's going on, believe them. Yes, they don't believe make it up. Believe them. Like we you know, have this societal um, idea that children lie. If they're talking about adult concepts, there's no way a child can know no. what they're talking about unless no. they'd experienced it. And even if, I even go so far, even if they are um, fantasizing and giving you a little bit of a story, You'll that's because that's where, that's where they're wanting to live. Mm-hmm. There, There is something still going on in that home that they're trying to create this mm-hmm imaginary world that they're trying to tell you about that's also a sign like why are you I would go in and I would go in and I would stay outside to avoid my mother all day and I would make up stories out into the shop the machine shop and I create the mom that I wanted and I create my little family and I would I would get on my dad's tractor and feel like I was driving away with my little family so they will create if they start telling you like a little fun, weird story like that, um, that might be a thing as well. Yeah. 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 Aaron, in, um, in thinking about your, your childhood, um, and what's now transpired, um, in terms of your work 
now. Are you happy to share with the audience where you are with that work? Oh, yes. I'd absolutely love to share. Thank you so much. And I'll start out with a quick little thing. I looked on my email right before we got on, Tony, and and I had a little boy because I had spoken in Africa to 10,000 children. Yes. And I had a young man named Mike, and he emailed me today, and he goes, I'm working on what you taught about depression and everything that happens to children over here. So he said, I've made it a mission because nobody's taught, nobody's doing anything in the schools here either. So in Africa, he's, uh, he walks to school. He goes, now I start talking. A bunch of us kids walk 10 miles to school every day. Yeah. Talking to these children. And I said, we're all going to start talking about what bothers us. And we're going to start talking what's going on in our home. Cause he said, they're depressed as well. There's depression there. And so he goes, I just wanted you to know, he never asked for anything. Mm -hmm. He said, I just wanted you to know what my day's like. And I'm really trying to push your word forward. So they are listening. So what I do to be proud of what I do, I went to San Diego, spent to us, just got done speaking at some high schools there. Um, I really put myself out there for high schools. If they want, you know, that's um, everybody beats to their little drum. A lot of schools don't want you in because yeah. the program not there, whatever, yeah. that's fine. So yeah. I do, I can do teachers. What I've really been doing now is working with a professor that teaches teachers from a college in San Diego. Wow. And she's a doctor, Dr. Susan, and she has joined me. A doctor here in Castle Rock has joined me, a president of NAMI for Colorado. Yes. And now we have another PhD doctor out of San Diego joining me. And we're create we're starting this next month, the month of June. So everybody can get excited about that. We're going to start meeting on Zoom. We're going to create the, start putting together the piece of the program. Um, the president of NAMI and I are going to our governor polis here in the state of Colorado. We're going to sit down with him and show him what we've designed and what we're wanting to go with and have him help us get the appointment with Dr. Jill Biden. We want this program to go all the way. So yeah. we're not just, I want people to understand, I'd love to be able to be in every school, but it won't help. I had to do it this way. If I yeah. don't do this, that no one will get any help. Yeah. So I really knew that I had to get a force behind me with me, masterminds, if you will. And we are moving forward so that that program can come to schools. There's something special that will come of this combination, Karen, because it's important to have people involved in designing programs that have lived experience. Yes. You lived through it. You experienced what happened because of it. You've come out the other side with with, uh, healing. And so that perspective is so important. Then when you get together with an education expert, a mental health expert, and put them all together, it's incredible what you guys will come up with in terms of a program for schools. And we're not talking something that's massive Karen from talking to you this is just a simple subject within all schools that gives awareness to mental health from an age where children can understand that this is what it looks like so that they might recognize it in others or in themselves a same similar perspective if I'd understood that those tentacles of darkness that I felt 
at 15 were depression, then maybe by the time I got to my nursing career, I would have been a little bit more, oh, okay, this is what depression looks like. This is what it feels like. Bearing in mind that it's different for every person, but there are fundamental elements of how it presents itself, how Mm -hmm. it feels, how your mind feels, things like brain fog and darkness and dark thoughts and all of that can lead you to have some idea, oh, okay, this is something a little not quite right. Who do I talk to? Yeah? Right. Yes, absolutely. And if someone hears something in the background, we are having a thunderstorm here in Colorado. But I have to share that with them because I go, oh my goodness, what is that sound? But um, the thing that if you make it simple so that they understand yes. it, we don't we don't want to come in with the words that are 30 letters long yeah. and make it, and then try to give them a test. And there wouldn't be a test. No, I don't it's just test. There's, it's it's not information a sharing. You have to come. You have to come. That's all. If the only thing you have to do is show up and then make it so simple because kids are resilient. They but they want it simple. They want to know. Yeah. Okay, so if my mother says the the word crazy or if my mother says I can't wear red today because people pick on me because she's that's in her mind where she's went uh in her schizophrenia is it's but is so- that the truth teaching kids that questioning but is yes. that the truth it, will yeah, it, wearing red mean abc yeah. well and then you just talk to them and say well probably not but you know if you're going to satisfy your mother with schizophrenia and teach them how to live with it. That's yes. another thing. One of the biggest Practical things. Practical skills. Skills, how to live with the, the, one of the big solutions that I'm working on with one of the uh, professors yeah. is the solutions on how to live with it because you can't change it. They no. can't fix that parent no. and they don't want to lose that parent. But if we teach them how to live with it, mm-hmm. then they can survive and go, Oh, I know what to do now yes. when they I'll put the red on because then there won't be an issue. And then, yes. you know, it's teaching them how to flow through schizophrenia. Yes. Come out and come to school and get away from it. And then when you go home, get ready to put your skills to work that you yeah. learned in the program. Yeah. So, yes, we're really coming up to, with solutions on how to live with it. And And sometimes it's just about equipping them with strategies to keep them safe so perhaps it's recognizing oh mum's particularly angry today maybe I'll ring my aunt and see if I can go shopping with her or maybe I'll ring um, a friend and see if I can go to the park with them it's about simple practical things that they can do yes and they can safe Yes, and and reach out for help, you know, yeah. and give them. And if they can't get someone, we've actually got solutions on how to get away from the situation. Yes, if and then if it's severe, you know, then there's you know then how to get to the nine one one. Yeah, you know, all if it gets severe, because in some cases it does. And um, so I I really think you've hit on something really good too. Yes, yeah. is, is just the 
just the simple things on how to get through and survive it. And uh, little things like, you know, even I thought if they can't get an aunt or uncle or they can call their other parent, because now they have cell phones. Back in my day when my mother had this. Uh, it was a bit more difficult, but yeah. today it wasn't, there's it cell wasn't, phones. Yeah, our phone hung on the wall. So there, and yeah. we had a party line, so we couldn't do that. But nowadays, they, and a lot of these little kids even have Apple watches, so they can That's do something. Right to um or just go to another room you know just when it gets that angry we're yeah. really coming up with and make it simple we're doing like just yeah. 10 steps yes this is how diffuse so it's not hard for them to memorize yeah yeah karen thinking back to that that childhood of yours did you ever think of calling 911 no See? no i, I I, I, it, it never, never entered your awareness and that's the point no. we're trying to make isn't it yeah. to equip these kids with ideas that yes. would help because all I did was run like I had a window in my bedroom a lot of times I would crawl out and hide on run the away and I'd hide in yeah. the attic yeah. and I'd be really quiet I'd hide in a closet and I could hear people I could hear mom walking by I would hide and I wouldn't even move so can you imagine yeah hours and hours of hiding yeah, yeah. Uh, but basically that's all I did and I didn't know to even call for help I just hid you know I just hid yeah yeah um and and yeah just making sure that kids know how to work within what they've been handed because we can't yeah. pick them up and take them all out of yeah. their home but we can <laughs> We can, but they don't want to go. Yes. Exactly. Because, and, and that's the other thing too, Karen, that we need to point out that even um, in severe abuse, they still have attachment to that parent. They still have love for that parent. Well, they do. And, and they don't understand. They've got a, so much mixed emotions because they know that their mom or their dad or, or guardian is supposed to love them, but then they're not getting the hug. So they've got all this mixed feelings. But you try to take that child away from that parent and they don't want to go. It's just yes. like when you've got a drug addiction or an alcoholism, most generally the child does not want to go. Uh, I'm not saying that in all cases, mm -hmm. but uh, most generally you've got to, we've got to help the child because they don't want to be taken away from their. No, their, and, their and neither is it, neither is it the right thing for anyone actually. Right. It's right. about giving them skills to cope in the environment yes. that they're in. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And, and then teaching family members, if they're listening, even if you, you know, when it's going on in your family, you know, if you live by your sister or brother that are grown adults and they're having issues, you know, that your nieces or nephews are hurting. Yeah. The newest thing that my aunt did, it sounds so silly, but it didn't cost anything. She'd come over and take me for French fries or a chocolate malt. I'm telling you just that little bit of going to the drive-in and having yes. a chocolate malt just for a little bit changed my whole day. So you can you can intervene with even little things. Yes. That will make that child survive it. Yeah. Yeah. Survive it. And I as you're talking, Karen, I'm quickly thinking of some of the things in my own childhood. So neighbors that were always screeching and yelling and pots were flying and 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 all all of that. 
reflecting now and I'm like, well, that was an abusive environment, but I didn't understand that because we never talked about those things. So now we need to start talking this. If you're hearing lots and lots of loud yelling and banging, then that's not a good thing. Yeah. It's not a good thing. And if you're a child and you hear it, you need to, you know, they're probably not listening, but if adults are, yes. you need to also give them solutions. If you know that your neighbor's doing that, you need to work with your, you see it, nothing in your home, but you know, the neighbor's got it going on. There's some really mental illness, mental issues yes. going over there. So you need to give your child then solutions on how to. How about uh, you invite little Johnny over for yes. dinner or come play yeah. for an hour or so a little bit and uh kind of teach them that you know you can be a friend yeah you can and the other thing about that is you're creating awareness in your own child you're teaching them about support and empathy and understanding for mental illness and that goes a long way to changing our world doesn't it it does you know it's just simple word love you know if you love and be kind yeah. And if you start, the world just starts looking at all one out of it's a proven uh, medical yes. fact. One out of every six person is su- suffering with some form of mental, mental illness. illness. It can be bipolar, anxiety, depression, whatever, or schizophrenia, schizophrenia manic. manic one out of above. So then your next question, if you're, it, it will make you sit down if you're not. So ask yourself if one out of every six, how many of those have children? Yeah. So that's have a look around your environment and go, look around six because people it's not that I know far. That's potentially right. has that something going on. Them. And that's and the awareness. Can, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Karen, before we run out of time, um, I want to quickly talk about the book, um, where people can get it, um, and um and what writing the book has meant to you. Well, thank you. Thank you, Tony, for that. The book, The Snipers We Couldn't See, they can go on my website. And it's just my name, Karen Comben. It's a nice Canadian name. My husband's yes. Canadian, so it's C-O-M-B-A. And they can find me there. If they do the click on Contact Karen, it goes right to my email. So I have a really, I really wanted to make it easy for people to get a hold of me. And if they want to yes, talk. To, to chat them, and talk. And they need me to come see their association or speak to them. Um, they can go through that and go through me directly. Yeah. And then um, also there's ways of getting my book, whether it's Barnes and Noble, Tattered, it's Amazon. Everywhere. Everywhere. I cast it. You can get it anywhere. And that's all got buttons. I've made it real easy. So you can just click. Uh, also, I have a page there for resources. Yes. So it does trigger. And I'm my website guy now is adding he'll add Tony's show, but he adds, he's adding my podcasts and all my shows, my radio shows so that you can have the chance to go there instead of trying to find me somewhere and just listen to the conversation if that will help you. And then um, I have Facebook page, which is just my name. And then my Instagram is Karen combo rights. So that's how they can get a hold of me and watch me and follow me and see where the program's going. And for the audience today, just a reminder that wherever you're watching this interview in the show notes will be the direct links to everything that Karen shared with us today. 
Karen, um, the book has been the catalyst to set you on this path and you love speaking to not just school children and teachers but organisations as well to raise their awareness and understanding of the impacts of mental illness on our society. Um, You do that all over the globe, yes? Yes, yes, and I go into, uh, I've been now been toying with it and Corporates are thinking about having me come into their businesses to, because of schizophrenia. We're talking about, you know, you making it so that if you do have a mental illness, you can still have a wonderful career. Correct. And, you know, you got to just kind of start opening it up so we can quit doing it. But the book has meant, I just knew, Tony, it really wasn't about me. I felt like, you know, I knew I had to write it. So people knew I knew I, what I was talking about. You know, it's yes. just like saying, okay, I know what you're talking about. Well, now that I've put it out there and it's raw, they go, my yeah. gosh, she does know. So I knew I had to do that. Mm-hmm. And I, I've had this book in me for 30 years. It's just come I to know. this last year. I just carried that thing. And it just, and so I knew, I knew that I was chosen to do it. And I just I agree. doing it. And that's, and I am so thankful. And I just, I, I, you know, I give thanks to my God every day and I go, you know, open them roads and I will go anywhere and do anything to get this done. And then I'll rest. And then I'll rest. <laughs> and a long way before that's going to happen. Long my darling. Before that goes. Yes. <laughs> I figured another 20 years of this and we'll see absolutely, where we're at. Right? Absolutely. But I just have no intention of quitting. I love the fact that you've gone to Africa and 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 spoken to um, people over there and children. I just I think that that's amazing because often we're focused on our Western democracies yes. and we forget that third world countries are battling as well. This is mental illness doesn't um, have uh, it doesn't discriminate. Mental illness can happen to anyone of in any continent across this globe. And the more awareness we create around the support that people need to live an abundant life and a mental health diagnosis should not mean that life ceases to be. Life just gets more enriched. And if you have the support and the skills to help you, it can be a very enriching life. Yeah. Yes. And we need to make it as simple as, and don't mean this the way it's going to sound, but it is the only way I can put it is it's just going to be flow out just like cancer flows out, diabetes flows out. We need to just say it out loud and say, you're going in for a health checkup. Yes. we need and to make have, it yes, as normal as going for a blood pressure checkup. So and that people just, are understand. And just yes. as you have high blood pressure, I yes. deal with a mental illness. My yes. mental illness is da-da-da-da-da-da. It yes. means in my life this, this, and this. Yes. Really make it a very normal yes. part of human existence. And Absolutely. Then, continue helping Karen with the amazing work that she's doing around advocacy for mental illness. Karen, we're almost out of time. It is an absolute privilege to share this time with you. I am excited about the changes that you will bring into this world. 
I will be following your journey with delight. I know that we will chat again and I promise the audience that we will get Karen back um, when she gets to certain points in this journey because I know that you'll want to hear what's happened and what's gone on. Um, but just finally, if you're listening to this show and you need some help and support, please reach out to Karen. Jump onto Karen's website. You will find all sorts of resources that will give you help to start with. And then please contact Karen if you've got any questions or indeed you can help her project and get these changes made in our schools because our children are precious. They are the next generation. We need to support them. And this is a big area where they need support. Yes. Karen, thank you so much for sharing this show with me today. Oh, it's an honor to be with you, Tony. And be a, a, thank you for, it's just been an absolute joy. And you're, you're just such an incredible woman in what you do for women and get all our missions out there and our journeys. I tell you, the God is the world's a better place because you are in it. And I'm very honored. Oh, thank you, thank you thank very much. Thank you for your beautiful words. Finally, audience, don't forget to connect with Combo. Karen Combo, if you're um, dealing with any sort of mental illness questions, she has lived experience with schizophrenia. I encourage you to reach out, connect. I also encourage you to jump on and grab your copy of Karen's book particularly if you're dealing with mental illness in any way, shape or form. Karen, that's our lot for this week. I look forward to further conversations down the track. That, my friends, is the final show with Karen, but we will bring Karen back in the future to update us on her mission and her advocacy around mental illness. Karen, thank you. Thank you. That, my friends, is your lot for today. Bye for now.